Hi, and thank you for listening in to the New Song Podcast from this week's service. You are welcome and encouraged to join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in person. And for more information on how to get involved with New Song, go to newsonglouisville.org and follow us on social media. And now for today's message. All right, so this morning, coffee's been called many things, right? The brew of the believer. The juice of the justified. The refreshment for the redeemed. The sip of the sanctified. The taste of the theologian. By the way, you know you're drinking too much coffee when your eyes stay open when you sneeze. The only time you're standing still is during an earthquake. You can jumpstart your car without any cables. <laughs> oh, come on. That was funny. You go to AA meetings just for the free coffee. <laughs> you can take a picture of yourself from 10 feet away without even using the timer. You know you're drinking too much coffee when you're so wired. You pick up FM radio. You know you're drinking too much coffee when instant coffee just takes too long. You'll love this one. You want to be cremated just so you can spend the rest of eternity in a coffee can. You're drinking too much coffee when your lips are permanently stuck in the sipping position. You thought that was the duck pose, but it's a sipping position. Anyway, (laughs) you're drinking too much coffee when you introduce your wife as my coffee mate. (laughs) Oh, man, just a little bit of fun because this morning we're talking about suffering. (laughs) Suffering. Everybody say suffering. (laughs) Yeah, turn to somebody and say, Pastor, just talk about suffering this morning. I don't know. We're in the midst of a series called Indestructible Joy, and going through the book of Philippians together, taking a joy ride. How many of you have been enjoying learning from the book of Philippians thus far? I hope so. Indestructible joy simply means that you have a joy that no matter what happens in your life, you continue to trust and praise God, knowing that God and no circumstance has the final word over your life. In the parable of the sower, Jesus says that because there were those who didn't have root in themselves, persecution comes, the troubles of the world come, and they lose their faith. And I just got to tell you, I just sense it so deeply as a pastor. I love you. I love this congregation. I consider it the privilege of my life to to pastor this congregation together with my wife. And I just feel like the day and the time we're living in, it's time to drive the stake in the ground and declare no matter what, I'm going to serve God. No matter what, I'm going to trust him. No matter what, I'm going to have an indestructible joy that doesn't change regardless of the circumstances or the situations around me. Can you say amen to that? This is how Paul lives. This is how the apostle Paul lives. 
He models something so powerfully for us. He encourages us, I believe, to live the same way. Remember in this book of Philippians we're studying, he's been wrongfully imprisoned for the gospel, and yet he's rejoicing, and he's showing you and I, setting an example for you and I how to live our lives with an indestructible, joy-filled faith that, that, that while we're suffering, while we're being persecuted, we're, we're rejoicing and we're full of joy. In fact, it's really powerful because in the book of Philippians, you find that once every seven verses, Paul talks about joy and rejoicing. Once every seven verses, joy and rejoicing. And like I said, we got an exciting topic to tackle today, the topic of suffering. Not my favorite topic, to be quite honest with you. But there's some awesome things that suffering can produce in our lives. I'll be honest, I don't like to suffer. I don't know whether you do or not. I don't think so. I mean, you'd be kind of maybe a little bit different if you like to suffer. But suffering is an inseparable part of following Jesus. And suffering, God uses suffering in our lives to make Jesus known through our lives. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. Look at it with me and let's read it together this morning. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and do all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. God uses suffering in our lives to make Jesus known through our lives. I've told you this, that one of the things that has indelibly impacted my heart from the three times that I've been in Africa over this past year has been the indestructible joy that I've witnessed in the hearts of so many African brothers and sisters. I was uh, communicating with Brenda Keene in Kenya just a few days ago, and she said, my staff, the ladies on my staff have been asking about you, Pastor Jeff. They, they so loved your visit, and they've been praying for you. They've been praying for you. They're faithfully praying for you. God uses suffering in our lives. These are, these are ladies, each of these ladies at one time 
were living in the Kibera slum of Nairobi, Kenya, the largest slum in all of Africa. It's one square mile and over a million people living in destitute poverty. Each of these ladies has an indestructible joy in Jesus that's contagious. Paul says that his chains and his imprisonment have actually furthered the gospel. The whole palace guard knew those chains were for preaching Jesus. And this is, by the way, in Rome, this is Caesar's palace, the original one. Not the fake one in Las Vegas. This is Caesar, Julius Caesar, the Caesar, his palace, every single guard there must have heard and knew the gospel because history would tell us that when Paul was there, he was very likely chained to a Roman guard. Can you imagine, by the way, just bear with me for a minute. This is the apostle Paul, the greatest apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ and of his church throughout all of history. Can you imagine being chained to him? Can you imagine being a Roman guard who knows nothing of Jesus and you're chained to the apostle Paul? How long do you think before you become a Christian? Half hour, maybe, at the best? This is a man who so radiates and glows with Jesus, who shares him with everyone he comes in contact with. And the message of the gospel is spreading like wildfire because they rotate these guards, right? And every guard hears about Jesus. Many of these guards undoubtedly came to know Jesus because in the midst of the suffering and the difficulty, Paul has got an indestructible joy. And then he says, and all the rest, and all the rest. Who, who, who were these saints? Who were all these ones that were being influenced? How was the gospel being furthered? I think there's a real clue at the end of the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, that kind of clues us in. And it's very interesting, right? I want you to see it. It says, all the saints greet you. This is Paul's ending to his letter. But especially, notice that word, especially those who are of Caesar's household. All the saints greet you. He's talking about saints. He's talking about believers in Jesus whose lives have been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ especially those who are of Caesar's household. Do you realize that because of Paul's imprisonment, members of Caesar's own family came to Christ because of his imprisonment? I mean, wow. I heard my wife just said, wow. I'll say it too. Wow. I'll say it backwards. Wow. Let me just say, just wow. I mean, that's, talk about a jab to the devil. I'm going to imprison you. I'm going to lock you down. That's okay. The gospel won't be chained. 
The gospel is going to go forward. The gospel is going to do what it does, and that's transform hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. The gospel continues to spread, and God uses suffering in us to touch people through us. Sometimes, by the way, and we've talked about this, right? Sometimes God gets us out of suffering situations immediately. Most of us, that's what we pray, right? We go into some kind of suffering. We're like, Lord, deliver me <laughs> right now. <laughs> Lord, right now. <laughs> we want to be delivered right now to the, out of our suffering situation. How many of you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes he does, right? Acts 16, we talked about that. The beginning of the letter, we talked about how the, the, the setting of, of Paul's first experience in Philippians is he and Silas are thrown into the prison and they begin to worship and they begin to pray and an earthquake comes and the prison doors are opened and they're set free. Sometimes God gives instantaneous deliverance out of suffering situations and sometimes he keeps us there for his purpose for a while. And I just got to tell you, when you are suffering for Jesus and rejoicing in the midst of the suffering, that's real. That's hard to fake. You don't just fake it till you make it when you're in the midst of intense suffering. You either trust Jesus with all your heart or you fall apart. And I don't know about you, but I want what's real. That's what I want. That's what I want my life to be known for, that which is real in Jesus. Because your faithful suffering and my faithful suffering might just be the open door for somebody else's faith. Just the way the guards who were chained to Paul came to Christ. Just the way that Caesar's house was influenced because of Paul's witness. You never know how God might be using your suffering to reach and touch others. Remember the word bondservant? We may just talk about that word every single time we visit the book of Philippians. By the way, on this track, we're, we're going to be, we're gonna be uh, finishing the book of Philippians by 2026. But anyway, it's going to be good. Bondservant is that... That one who says, I willingly and I voluntarily surrender my rights to this life out of love for my master in his house, and I'm his servant forever. I'm going to do his will no matter what it costs me. So I'd ask you this morning, will you allow your misery to become your ministry? Will you be a bondservant with an indestructible joy that God can use to reach lost people for Jesus? Or what's the alternative, Pastor Jeff? Oh, you can suffer and complain. You can grumble and gripe. It's probably not going to change anything, but it'll certainly make the people around you miserable. How many of you know what I mean? It's not going to bring God glory. It's not going to influence and touch others except in a negative way. I mean, you hear what I'm saying? This is, this is real stuff, folks. 
not a one of us here is regardless of what we believe or how much we believe that won't go through seasons of suffering, difficult times. I'll never forget, you know, I can still see it in my mind's eye, right? You ever have those moments that are just indelibly ingrained in your mind? It was an early morning, probably six something in the morning, and I was coming in, it was during our season of prayer and fasting. And there was something so heavy on my heart. My wife and I had entered into a, quite honestly, a season of suffering where our hearts were just torn so deeply over some choices and decisions that some of our family members had made and we were just crying out to God, crying out to him, crying tears. And we were fasting and praying and it was easy to fast and pray because our hearts were just so broken and concerned for our loved ones. And I'm walking through those doors. I'm the first one here and I'm getting ready to turn the lights on, turn the sound system on and welcome people for a time of prayer and fasting. And the Lord speaks to me in the dark right back there. And he says to me, take the long view. I didn't want to hear that. Of all things, that's not what I wanted to hear. And that's been maybe five, six years ago now. It's been long. We still haven't seen the answers to those prayers, but they're coming. They're coming. And we're going to have an indestructible joy as we wait and as we trust. And we're seeing God move in some pretty cool ways. Secondly, God uses suffering through our lives to bring confidence, boldness, and fearlessness to other believers, not just the lost. I've been deeply impacted by people who have suffered for Jesus. Tracy and I had the privilege here a few years ago through our dear friend Harriet Maurer to meet uh, a, a wonderful lady named Gail McWilliams. Do you remember Gail, honey? Gail um, had really an interesting story, right? She had, she was, um, she had two or three kids and in the midst of giving birth to her second or third child, uh, the doctor told her, it's going to cost you your sight to have this child. She spoke here for us once. And uh, the doctor was encouraging her to get an abortion and save her sight. And she said, no way, I want to have that baby. That baby's a treasure from the Lord. And she did, and she lost her sight. And to be around Gail, let me just tell you, was to be around liquid joy. This lady loved Jesus with every fiber in her being. I don't know about you, but I've been around lots of different people through my days of following Christ who were walking through incredible seasons of suffering and they did it with such dignity and such faith and such trust in the Lord that it just, it just impacted me, just impacted me. 
And it's interesting here because in the passage, most of the brethren, they became confident, even more bold, and they were speaking the word of God without fear because of Paul's indestructible joy in the midst of his challenging circumstances. Listen, let me put it this way. When God trusts you with suffering, it's to show others that they can suffer faithfully too and not lose their faith, but live with an indestructible joy in their lives. If they can do it, if you can do it, they can too, I can too, we can too. Most of the brethren, don't, don't waste other people's suffering. Listen, don't waste other people's suffering. Those that you, maybe you know, someone around you suffering, someone going through difficult times, don't waste their suffering by not gathering strength and encouragement from it. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you, when you run into that, that precious person who, who has put their roots down deep in Jesus and refuses to be shaken regardless of the suffering they're walking through, Whoo, Glenn, you are a good example of this, my friend. Come on, I'm telling you, you're a good example. And thank you for that song. Praise him anywhere this morning. I want you to come up and finish with that here today. Don't waste their suffering by not gathering strength and encouragement from it. Be part of the most, most of them were strengthened. When God trusts you with suffering, trust him in it. Job chapter one, verse eight, and you know, I'm a little strange, right? I don't know why I did this, but when I first came to Christ and I got my first Bible, the very first book I ever read of the Bible was the book of Job. Don't, don't ask me why. I just had heard something about it. I was really intrigued. Somebody finally gave me a Bible and I'm like, here we go. Diving into the book of Job. Not the best place to start, but it was interesting no doubt about that. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on the earth. And God's basically saying, I trust him. We trust God, right? We talk about that a lot, but sometimes God trusts us. That's another wow moment. We trust God, but sometimes God trusts us. God trusted Job with unreal suffering. And Job's faithful suffering has encouraged believers now for thousands of years. We're telling this story thousands of years later because it encourages us. By the way, suffering is so personal. I'm talking about stuff that's beyond just having a bad day or a flat tire on the way to work. I'm talking about real suffering that brings forth real tears. And I got to tell you that we, we, we've got to look beyond in those moments of suffering, we've got to look beyond ourselves to, to those around us who need strength and encouragement through our faithful suffering. Because there's always, there's always a bigger issue at stake. Friends and family, they, they need an example. They need to be able to, we all need to be able to see a little farther, see a little deeper, 
and see beyond our own pain and our own suffering to what God might be doing. It goes back to what we said a moment ago. We've got to be so rooted, so deeply in Jesus, folks, that we realize that part of the only way we're going to be truly conformed into his image and his likeness is through the suffering we walk through on this side of the equation. Do you know once you get to heaven, you'll never have the privilege to suffer for Jesus again. You can only do it here. And your offering to him is to praise him in the midst of the suffering. Look at this passage. Paul, again, the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 he says, for it's the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And listen to this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live and are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life, life is working in you. Do you realize there's something deeper that God's trying to do? There's something, there's something God wants to further through our suffering. There's something he wants to bring out of it. It's dying to yourself, dying to your preferences, dying to your rights. Not dying in the final sense, but Jesus talks about dying daily as we take the cross and follow him. And in that scripture, it's powerful, right? It says, God commanded light out of darkness, life out of death. Light can and should shine out of our dark moments. It gives knowledge of the glory of God. It shows forth God's power. It shows in our faithful suffering, in, in our faithful dying, in our safe, faithful persecution, it brings life to others so powerfully. Let me just say it this way. Suffering is mega important. And how you respond to suffering will determine whether Jesus will be made more famous through you to the lost whether other believers will receive confidence, boldness, fearlessness, and life through you. And then number three, lastly, God uses suffering to reveal our hearts. While Paul's in prison, our passage today tells us that there were men preaching Jesus insincerely out of jealousy toward Paul, trying, if you will, to, to kind of jab him, to add to his affliction. And it certainly reveals 
what's in Paul's heart. Paul could have spewed bitter vitriol from an angry and hurt and betrayed heart like so many on social media today. Can I just warn you? Please be careful about what you take in on social media, especially YouTube. <laughs> I, I'm constantly bombarded with, you know, there's all these algorithms and I get all these critical, self-proclaimed, you know, people who are going to declare others heretics and, and on and on and on. Please be careful. Most of those people, in my opinion, don't have any clue what they're really talking about. And it's interesting, right? Because Paul, he, he could have he been angry. He could have been upset. He could have lashed out. He could have really brought down judgment on those who were preaching in this insincere way. But instead, Paul chooses to rejoice that Jesus is being preached regardless of how or why. Because Paul's eyes are on Jesus and how the kingdom of God might be expanded. They're not on himself. He's not taking that personally. He sees farther and he sees deeper, folks. He focuses on what God might be doing in the midst of this suffering. He's already surrendered his rights to Jesus as a bondservant. He's a dead man in Christ. And these things don't bother him anymore. Paul rejoices and will rejoice now and in the future because God's bigger. You and I, we've got to learn to look to the eternal. Remember, indestructible joy is having a joy that no matter what happens in your life, you continue to trust and praise God, knowing that God in no circumstance has the final word over your life. Let's look at a... Let's look at another story from Scripture to kind of wrap our time up together this morning. Let's talk about the suffering of Joseph for a few minutes. It's one of my absolute favorite Old Testament characters. I love the story of Joseph. I've done in the past a very lengthy series on Joseph. I'm just going to hit some highlights just real quick. You know, he's Jacob's youngest son. He's the favored son. In Genesis 37, it says that, you know, Jacob really loved him more than all of his other brothers. He was favored. He was given this coat of many colors. Joseph was a dreamer. He had this incredible destiny that he, in these dreams from God, these vivid dreams, and he shares them and he's envied and then his brothers turn on him and they hate him. And, and then in Genesis 37, verse 22, the brothers, the brothers are plotting and, you know, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness, and that's exactly what they do. They cast him into a pit. They take his coat of many colors and rip it and rub it with blood and take it back to his father, and they stage his death, throw him into the pit. Joseph then is found by uh, slave traders to Egypt, and he's sold as a slave to Potiphar. He's in the pit, then he goes to Potiphar, Genesis chapter 39, and God is bigger than Joseph's circumstances. 
again and again and again. God's will, God's way triumphs over evil, over evil intentions, over evil plans, over suffering. And one of the crazy things about the whole story of Joseph is God's with him in the midst of all this suffering. He's done basically nothing wrong and God's with him and he gets promoted in places like Potiphar's house and God never stops loving him and working in his life. And I want to say it to you too, in the midst of your suffering, God never stops loving you and he never stops working in your life, folks. And it's interesting because then we come to the part of the story where he's tempted day by day by day by day by Potiphar's wife. When you look at the timing of the story and you you kind of piece it together biblically, it's possible that Joseph was in Potiphar's house for 11 years. Can you imagine being tempted by Potiphar's wife day by day by day by day for 11 years and yet he refuses to sin. He says no to sin and you know the story. She grabs him one day and and as he flees, she grabs his cape, takes his cape, accuses him of rape. He's wrongfully imprisoned. So now he's gone from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison and he still hasn't really done anything wrong. And then he's in prison, but God is with him. This is the outstanding thing of the whole story, and I love it. Several times it mentions, but God was with Joseph. Even in prison, he gets mercy, he has favor, he's promoted even in prison. He ends up interpreting the dreams of the butler and the baker. And then, and he tells them, don't forget me, don't forget me. But they forget him for two more years and he's continuing to be imprisoned. I mean, can you say suffering? This is a story full of suffering, but suffering well with an indestructible joy. And then all of a sudden, where it seems like all of a sudden it's actually been 13 or more years. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this? Pharaoh's had a dream. And finally, the man remembers Joseph and mentions Joseph and Pharaoh turns to Joseph and Joseph trusts God and God gives him the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh in Genesis 41 says to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Wow, from the pit to Potiphar's house to the prison and now after all these years, to the palace. What the Bible doesn't say in this story is radically important. 
what the Bible never mentions in this story is extremely crucial. It never says one single time that Joseph complained. Because see, listen, Joseph will never get to this point of impacting so many people unless he suffers faithfully without complaining, without doubting, without quitting on God. He has an indestructible, joy-filled faith. For 13 approximate years, Joseph just doesn't quit. He continues to trust. He continues to be faithful in the midst of incredible suffering until God's plan prevails. Now, let's don't stop there. Let's, let's talk about a couple more key things. He has two sons. You remember this? Genesis 41 says, Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. That word toil, by the way, can also mean pain and suffering. So let me read it to you that way. God has made me forget all my pain and suffering. And the name of the second he called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Manasseh, God's made me forget all my pain and suffering. Ephraim, God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of of my suffering, my affliction. This is it. Right here, folks, this is it. Suffering faithfully allows us to bear great fruit for God's glory. Amen, amen, amen. Shout it out, amen, amen. Do you believe that? Suffering faithfully leads to victory over past pain and it brings forth great fruit in the midst of affliction. Now, one more thing, just one more thing and then we'll close up, okay? And if you believe that, you're a real optimist. No, I'm just kidding. One more thing, one more thing. Pardon, pardon. Important part of the story. The brothers, man, they were worried when they found out who Joseph really was, who this, who this mysterious person really was that they kept coming to in, in the land of Egypt for food. Genesis 50, verse 20. I, man, to me, this is one of the most important scriptures in all of the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. But as for you, you meant evil against me. But... God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Do you know that, do you know that forces can be arrayed against you in this world with evil intentions and God is so great, he can take those things and turn them into his glory? Do you know that God can overrule God can
can trump, if you will, sorry for using that word, but anyway, he can trump the plans of the enemy. It, it doesn't matter who tries to come against you, what they try to do to you. God can overrule in Jesus' name. <laughs> what you meant for evil, God meant for good. God, Joseph is saying, God was with me in all of it. In everything I went through, God was with me. And I've overcome my past pain and I've become fruitful in affliction circumstance and suffering didn't have the final word over me. And now look, look at what's happening. God's using me to save many people. Everything he went through put him in the place to save many people. By the way, folks, you never know what your faithful suffering can do, right? You never know. Are you a bond servant? Are you, are you sold out to Jesus regardless of the circumstances, the suffering, the challenges? It can mean salvation for the lost. It can mean life and encouragement to believers. And it can certainly mean a powerful, impactful witness to many. Are you suffering today? As we close, are you suffering today? Glenn, come on up, please, and Landon. If you're suffering today, if you're going through something tough, would you stand quickly? Will you stand quickly just all over the house? If you're going through something, please stand. Please stand. We love you. We're with you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to believe with you. We're going to stand with you. We're going to encourage you. If you're going through something today, will you stand? Maybe you've been suffering for a long time. Maybe you're, it doesn't even come to your mind like me. I mean, I've been suffering through this situation I mentioned earlier for several years now. I want to pray over you today with, with just great compassion that God will deliver you from the suffering if that's his will. But if it's not, that he will help you to see what Jesus is doing in the suffering. There's somebody standing around you. Would you now stand and just put a hand on their shoulder and pray along with me. And Glenn's going to lead this song in just a moment, but I want to pray. I want to pray right now. Let's just make sure everybody's got somebody with a hand on their shoulder praying over them right now. Lord, I pray today, I just pray today with the compassion and the heart of Jesus that, that Lord, I, I pray right now that if, if, you, if you can, if you will, if it is your will, if it is your desire, that you would deliver them from the suffering right now. If that's your will, Lord. If not, Lord, for some, they've, they've suffered for many, many days, many months, some many years. Lord, I pray that they could see today that you would open the eyes of their heart, that they would be able to see clearly what Jesus is doing in the midst of the suffering, that they would be able to praise you, trust you, yield their lives to you, yield their wills to you, and that, Lord, your light would shine out of the midst of the darkness. God, let your power, your power overwhelm them. Let your power and your peace and your presence flow through them. Let the lost around them pay attention and take notice. Let other believers, Lord, be encouraged.
encouraged and strengthened. May they be fruitful, Lord, fruitful in the midst of the affliction now, even as they wait patiently for the day when you will overcome this present suffering. And Lord, may they have an indestructible joy in and through our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered himself for us more than we can imagine. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us. We trust you and love you today. We pray for your will to be done in and through our lives to the glory of God. May Jesus be magnified in Jesus' strong name. And everybody said amen. Come on, give the Lord praise this morning. Give him praise.